you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Good evening. Welcome to the R.E.M. Record Release Party. Welcome to the Pearl Jam Reunion Tour. Let me just clarify that we play more than Mud Honey. Have you heard the new record? Well, you're about to again. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... This is Stone Gossip! Fucking Cameron in the truck. on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and uh, as we've been doing all year it's the first week of the month welcome to may i believe today if you're listening on wednesday is cinco de mayo may the fourth be with you it's been a lot of things early in may but for us it is our hometown series because every week every first week of the month we've been putting together the best of seattle because it's the 30th anniversary of the band. So last month we did the Piss Bottle Men shows. We did one for Patreon and we did one for the regular platform. And this time we're just going to do one for the regular platform, just kind of like the Piss Bottle Men episodes, kind of getting the tune up before Vitalogy. This episode, we're going to get the tune up before No Code. We love going in chronological order for these things. So let's just get right to it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farr over there. Hello. Hi. No code. This is your wheelhouse. You must be very excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I mentioned it last week. This show happened on my 18th birthday, so this one always has kind of a cool uh, cool place in my heart. What were you doing on that day, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, probably listening to No Code. <laughs> <laughs> it being, what, three weeks since it came out? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. All right, so... That's what's interesting here is that you get all these new songs and basically the first half of this set is nothing but no code. The first nine songs, there are seven of those nine are live debuts and of the two habit and red mosquito, 
they barely played them. The 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 fans in Seattle, maybe they've gotten the bootlegs circulated by then, but they don't know the songs as well as they would uh, much later on. But as everybody knows with No Code, it didn't really get the best reputation outside of like the insider Pearl Jam fan. So I'm wondering what the average Pearl Jam fan was. And I, I know you loved it right away, but do you think that there was more of an adjustment period to this record at this time when, when this was coming out. Yeah. I have a distinct memory of listening to the quote unquote alternative radio station in Atlanta. It was 99 X. I have a distinct, like I can remember listening to them play who you are for the first time as the single and the DJs being like, well, okay, I guess that's the new Pearl jam. And just being like, I loved it. I was like, okay, this is cool. But it was immediately like, okay. Like, and they, I don't think they, you know, that song like disappeared from radio immediately. Oh, yeah. You know, because there was, you know, all those other, we've talked about it ad nauseum, all the other bands that kind of stepped up and uh, kind of that post grunge sound, you know, your lives and bushes and candle box and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I remember being like, Oh, this is this is something different. This is things are changing now. Yeah, uh, that's a cool memory I have. I remember that for sure. And yeah, uh, going to get the record and putting it in, like you're used to these, like you know, go and last exit and all the stuff from ten. And then you hear sometimes, and you're like, all right, all right, here we go. This is I, I yeah, it was just such a cool moment for me. And like I I was at the perfect age for it to be eighteen, like things are changing and like I was getting ready to leave and go to college and like, yeah, I, I love this record from day one. It was definitely their first sign of maturity. I've said this a lot that, you know, Vitalogy is kind of the, the therapeutical, uh, side where they kind of need to get that energy. They need to get that aggression out and no code is kind of the post therapy where, you know, their, their realizations in this there, I guess some of the songs could be considered more personalized than maybe some in Vitalogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you, like you got the, you get the Polaroids like, and some of them like don't have lyrics on them. And like right. some of them are very cryptic and like, like, okay, like there's, and you'd like lay everything out and be like, okay, like, Try, there's like a hidden meaning in this and like all you look at all the polaroids and it makes like the pyramid and everything and you're like like oh shit like this is this is deep like something's going on here right and you know the whole idea of no code that there is no science behind this there is no answer to any of this i i guess that's their way of just telling people like don't look too too much into this besides this just being our music and being the next phase of what we are in our career and it wasn't quite accepted by everybody, even myself, just, you know, not obviously in, in 96, I was, I was a little too young to really be able to digest everything, but years would go on and no code would probably be along with binaural, one of the last ones that I'd really attach hmm. myself to and, and start okay. listening to more be, just because, you know, at, in the early years, like 10 and verses, they're out there. Vitalogy's out there. Like, you know, those songs already. So you're going to attach yourself to those records because you know, you already know Jeremy, you already know Alive, you already know Corduroy, on and on and on and on. And the only song that I really attached myself very early on to was Hail Hail. 
So yeah, that's the one that grabs you immediately. Of course, yeah, and and I don't even know if if I had the record. I don't know if that was just a song that I, I had heard played on on a bootleg or something like that, and then just kind of added to a playlist or something. But I, it, it took me longer than the other records to get accustomed to that. And it's just because it's a different sound. It's a different style Pearl Jam. And, and after a while you realize, okay, Pearl Jam can sound good doing whatever they, they do. And it's fine. It's fantastic. And some people, they stuck with it and some people, they went the other direction. They said, you know what? No, I, I want to stick in with everything pre vitology. And from that point on 1996 music, when you think that was a very weird year, you know, it was starting to trend the way that rock wasn't going to be the most important highlight anymore. It's kind of the year that a lot of people said grunge died, so to speak. And yeah. more of the boy bands and the Spice Girls kind of acts started to well, even, become... Even, even before that, it was your Sublimes and your No Doubt. Sure. Oh, yeah. That was all that. Yeah. definitely the year for that. But, like, yeah. I think in the, the public mainstream, what, you know, people and mass groups of people, when it comes to record sales and things like that, that's mm-hmm. those were the trends that, that were starting to happen. But in rock and roll. Hootie and the Blowfish and Dave Matthews Band of and course. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just happens. And it's kind of a sign of the time. And, and you know, a lot of people, when they think Pearl Jam, they think back to the years 1992-1993 as being their their wheelhouse. And I'm not going to argue with them that you're right. But 96, I think, was more important than a lot of people give them credit for. So this yeah, show... Welcome, welcome to the Pearl Jam reunion tour. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, this show was considered a surprise show as a tune-up for the new record. Obviously, 96, when you think of the tour, it's going to be a non-Ticketmaster tour. And the only Ticketmaster venue, so to speak, that they would play would be the Key Arena a couple nights after this. And the only reason why they got to play the Key Arena was because the proceeds all went to a charity that I cannot remember what charity it was right now. You guys from 96, 95, like you guys know that era, it was hard to get tickets, nearly impossible. And uh, this kind of was another thing that kind of strayed some fans away from the band. But, you know, they still, they're going out and and they're touring for this record. And uh, most of it is East Coast tour, but they kind of start here at home and like I mentioned with the Piss Bottle Men show, it's a surprise show. However, people were informed of ticket sales due to a leak by KNDD, and a lot of fans that showed up on this night were apparently disappointed not being able to get in. Only 800 were in attendance. It was a rainy evening, so anybody that wanted to camp out and, and try to listen in between the walls uh, had, a, had a tough time. I, the transcripts that you read will say that the... The staffers at the show box were not very pleasant to the people that were trying to camp out and hang around the building, and uh, apparently there were tons of scalpers there as well. So, not... we're lucky that someone was there to record it. We we're lucky that yeah. someone got in with the with the tape. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's not every it's not every show that you're able to get that. And thankfully, I think for pretty much all of '95 and '96, we have accounted for even if it's not perfect mm-hmm. quality i think everything is accounted for yeah that's what was going on at the time and you know it's 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 the transition the record came out three weeks before this and people have kind of started to 
to intake this a little bit. And uh, as we get into the show, Ed says, good evening. Welcome to the REM record release party. Welcome to the Pearl Jam reunion tour. Let me just clarify that we play more than Mud Honey. Have you heard the new record? Well, you're about to hear it again. they're going to start the show off here with sometimes and uh all of these except for red mosquito and habit are going to be the debut of these songs so essentially i've got, gonna... I've got a trivia question for you i hate to interrupt okay you just mentioned it yeah got a trivia question for you and the listeners out there there's eight debuts at this song do you at remember the show? last this is a two-parter at, the, at this show thank you do you remember the last time Pearl Jam debuted eight songs in one show. The last time from Ex- today? The, no, the last time from this show, from 96 previously. When was the last time they had debuted exactly eight new songs? I mean, I would have to say Slim's Cafe, but am I wrong by that? You, you're wrong, because they debuted a, a different number. Okay. I'll give you one more chance, listeners out there, if you know it. Oh, I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Think about it long and hard. Email us live on four legs podcast gmail.com. There you have it. A little a little trivia and uh, hey, maybe maybe yeah, we can know. fool you guys. Maybe but put your brain to it because it's uh, it might be easier than you think. So they're starting off the show and, and look, a lot of these songs here we can kind of basically do mini little evolution episodes off of because this is this is the beginning. Like the start of all of these songs, basically. And right away, you're starting with Sometimes. And this would be the opener of the, most of the tour and the song that would end up being the opener from the album in later years. And they'd continue using it. It would kind of be in that category below the long road and the release and above Wash a little bit, but still utilized. And it's just one of those, it just eases you in. It eases you in. It's so mid-tempo. It has a build, though. It gets it gets to build itself in the middle, and you know you find you find the you know the the kind of the upbeat progression in it. But in versions today, you're getting more. You get more energy. You get more excitement, and it kind of turns into that much later. However, here they're staying pretty true to what the album version is. Definitely, and you know I'm going to bring up drummers. I mean, uh, of course. we're so used to hearing Cameron do this now, but and we we talk about you know Jack on the Vitalogy songs and Jack on the No Code songs, but we never really talk about him on on Sometimes and just like just listening to this, and he's like he's playing it just the way it needs to be played. Like he's right, 
he's just guiding the song perfectly. Like you said, the build in it, that's, that's Jack. Like it's, it sounds so good. And like, this is, this is one of those times where you're like, Oh, like he's, he's finally getting a chance to play these songs that like, in some cases, like he helped write. Sure. So yeah, he's, Oh, I would have loved to have just been there to see his face. Like, to, to play some of these songs for the first time. And like, it must've been really, really special. There are photos out there. I, I got to see two photos from the show and they look like they're in somebody's basement. It hmm. looks yeah. small. Yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't even look in the same way that, uh, the show box in 2002, like that, that DVD, it doesn't even look like that. It looks completely different. So I wonder if they did some random renovations or anything. Could be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that's, Hey, that's what you get out of sometimes here. It's not the way that you kind of hear it now where like they get kind of emotional during it and maybe they kind of, uh, extend the outro. Like this is very much by the book, just by the album you get into hell, hell. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Jack and Jack is just terrific on the tempo. The tempo is just being pushed by him. And, even in 96, I feel like they, for for Hail Hail uh, purposes, they'd at least pick up the song just a little bit more. It would feel a little bit more upbeat. And this is really, it mentions this later in the show that, like, they were a little bit nervous and that's what where some of the magic kind of came from. It felt like kind of midway through the song, that nervous energy kind of transitioned into something good. And, and it became kind of more what you expect but there was a little bit of nervousness at the beginning of it yeah you hear him kind of you know he does the throws a little fucking in there how do I fucking feel and and we get another hell the lucky ones in front here so he's already kind of playing around with it but for this one this I went back and looked this was only six days before they went and did this song on Letterman Mm -hmm. and like everybody knows that performance you know with, with Stone and the the ridiculousness and you know Ed and the blazer and everything like that's 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 a terrific performance of ALL. So yeah, they they picked it up quick and this is one like yeah it's 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 not a who you are it's not a sometimes this is this is their wheelhouse. So yeah, I can see like halfway through like get through it and like oh okay we we we're gonna be able to to rip a little bit on this one. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And this show is is just about figuring all that stuff out. You know, what you have with these songs and how they're going to flow, how they're going to progress live. And really, the, the first four, they're going exactly how the album goes. Like, this could be Moline yep. at this point. You're about to hear it again. Exactly. So, Who You Are uh, comes up next, and you kind of, once they start the song, uh, it, like, it feels like it gets a little bit more of a reaction because maybe because it was a single people have been listening to it for a little bit longer, but it didn't feel like the no code songs had much more of a reaction than that. Yeah. I think that's it. I'd probably people knew it from the radio. Right. But look, I think we overlook who you are. I think a lot of the times just in general, because it's so just dated in this era of 1996, that when it was brought back in 2008, it was something a little bit different, but also after that, not really in it included in the shows too often but like hardly just, ever yeah. yeah really just think about this 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 era though and think about how they felt about the song and where it was but again it's jack the percussion is heavy it sounds like you know there's a lot of heart and soul that went into this the harmonies are excellent uh, like a perfect version of this even 
at the very beginning, it felt like it was a song that they they had a lot of love for. So it almost feels like we're we're appreciating this song a little bit. This I week. think this Maybe is song appreciation bit, uh, week. Yeah, yeah, I would have yeah. to say there's a couple that could fit in that category, but I think there's been some time since we've we've covered this song. Where, yeah, yeah, and I, sure. I, I talked about earlier, you know, hearing it on the radio and it being such a such a dividing moment of like, here's you know, you draw your line in the sand, like, okay, here we are. You're either you're with us or you're not. And yeah, I just remember thinking like, that is so cool. And to hear this version, like I haven't, you know, I haven't heard a version, one of these original versions in a long time. You know, just to hear the, like I said, the ones from 2008 with Matt, and you, you, it pops up like once every couple of years. Another criminally underplayed song, but yeah, like it's the the lyrics are great. Ed sounds amazing on it. Jack is nailing it. Like this is this is just a fantastic performance. Only 44 times in their history, and look. You know, I think when you think of what No Code songs sort of stuck around after 1996, you think Hell Hell, you think Present Tense, and even for a small period of time, you think Habit. Uh, Red Mosquito kind of bounces back and forth a little bit too, but who you are just it, maybe to them just felt like, okay, it, it's kind of within this year and, and we're moving on. They've always kind of been the band that that moves on to the, ne- the next thing, the next song, and and some of those songs, I think, we always say it about a, a song like Worldwide Suicide. It just fits better in the era where it kind of came from. However, I think Who You Are could have been included a lot more in between sure. the 12 years where they didn't touch it at all. In My Tree is the next one, and uh, I'm just going to let everybody listen to that beginning because it's just, oh my god. Jack at his best, like, I think this is probably Jack's best song that he's ever performed with. Oh, just as soon as it starts, it just, you're taken to a different place. Yeah, it's perfect. The the deliberate hits, the the sound of his toms are so dense, and it almost kind of feels like, and and I don't know if you're going to disagree with me on this, but it almost kind of feels like somebody's playing on, like, the buckets in a a subway. You know what I'm saying? like that hmm. just that sound like that very thick dense sound maybe I think a lot of that is probably due to the recording as well like I would love awesome. to get like a vault version of this like a really good soundboard you know a I want a vault version of anything from 96 yeah like, they've yeah. been dogging us on that for so long yeah oh my god like the, the ending of this you mentioned the beginning I, I'll go to the ending where Ed and Mike and Jack together like it's it just gives me chills every single time yeah, I, I uh, the one 
criticism that I have of this recording is that it needed a little bit more mic, but Ed's voice just elevates and he's able to get raspy. Jack thunderous throughout. I, this was a hell of a debut for this song. Absolutely. Like, if you were he- able to hear Mike just a little bit more, you would have gotten that, like, that warmth that in my tree he gave you from later versions in 98 and then onward, where this song is just basically been a perfect life song. So. Yeah, you'll, you'll probably hear me talk about this song at the end of the episode. Put it that way. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's get through 20 more songs before we get to that. Uh, not a debut here, but they break off the album cycle a little bit. There's no smile in this show. Three songs from the album, I believe. Am I right on that? Yes, I'm doing the math I think right. so. Uh, no smile. No Lucan, even though it gets brought up. And mm-hmm. no I'm Open, because they wouldn't do I'm Open until, I think, 2006 or 2008, one of those years. Habit has been one that, at least if, you know, the Red Rocks show had been circulated at the time you kind of know that it's a thing you kind of know from ed being on tour with mike watt and obviously the internet is in its very early stages people that are very savvy with it can probably figure all this stuff out probably dig out these songs somehow or trade these uh, these tapes but that's probably how you know habit because of the Spiel tour and, and Red Rock. So it's it, this is the sixth performance of the song. A little bit more than your average new song. You would consider this maybe like the second no-code song that they wrote because Lucan was way back in very early 95. So, uh, so at least like here, there's nothing, there's nothing new to them. But like they vibe with it immediately. Like this, this feels, and it also feels like it's, it's, it's perfect for the environment. You have to think of kind of the the club atmosphere that they're in. They're only playing to 800 people. You want songs that sort of just blast the, the, the building, and Habit is one of them. It's one of those that, like, I think in any club, any band that has a song like Habit just wants to be able to play the loud ones in places like this. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, the internet thing, too, because I think it was... It was right after this that the Synergy Pearl Jam site started and all the saw that. Pit and all that was, was started around this time too. So yeah, I remember, you know, getting on, you know, AOL or whatever for the first time and like, oh like let's go I gotta go look at that. You know, the room pit was such a huge thing. But yeah, I mean, you think of you know, I think of Habit from ninety five, but yeah, this is great. I think the the what speaking as, you know, someone who feels pretty good right now, mm-hmm. that's kind of gives you a little insight into, into how they were feeling about this show. They they were they were in, in good spirits. Like this is this is where Ed wants to be, right? At these the small yeah. little clubs doing these little underground shows. It's absolutely where he feels most comfortable. It's where yeah. he he can feel like he's in front of friends and more people that are close knit to him instead of just people that just want a piece of him and that at the time, I think it was important. And he wanted to be kind of nameless and faceless, and uh, the show box would be a perfect place for that. And really, like, you know, this is kind of the inverse discussion that I want to have for a song like Present Tense, and then a little bit later, a song like Off He Goes, where Habit really works for this environment, but later on, when they start to play more arena shows and amphitheater shows, Habit's not the best song for those settings you get to a song like present tense though present tense is not necessarily especially in the debut it's not necessarily like the perfect song 
for the show box because when when you listen to the song in the in the beginning, you just hear a lot of just people talking over it and a lot of people chatting, a lot of people just kind of yelling over over the band and kind of uh, reacted to to something that the fan said. I can't remember what he reacted to, but like these aren't necessarily your club songs. However later on they would kind of develop a little bit more become arena songs and that's where they would flourish the best i thought okay calm down Yeah, I think it, in present tense, like he, yeah, we mentioned when we did the evolution episode, if they fuck it up the first time, like Ed gets yeah. kind of lost and has to redo it. I don't know if that was because, you know, of him reacting to, to someone in the crowd or whatever, but yeah, kind of interesting that like this, you know, we, we now speak of it in like with all this reverence, like all oh, present tense, it's like this masterpiece and these people here for the first time and they're just like, oh yeah, you know, I was at the bar with with Jeff and yeah, we're, right. going, we're going over to the thing together. You're going to come? Like, yeah, it's cool. And you're like, no, dude, shut up. Like, this is, you're, you're hearing this, this song it. for yeah. the first time. Like, yeah, but, and I think a lot of that too is like you're, to get the best sounding recording, you kind of need to be in the center in the back of the, the club. Like, right. robots is going to sound crappy. So our our friendly taper here was, was suffering through that probably to get a good recording, but yeah, this is not one present tense. Not one that that stuck out immediately to me. It doesn't. It doesn't hit the very first time like a hail hail or a or who you are in my tree. I think. Right. Yep. And look, I I think that once they get to the bridge, it sounds pretty close to how this song would sound in 1996. It sounds pretty together. It sounds pretty good. And even the band might have thought after this, like, okay, maybe we save this. And this is something we talked about in that evolution episode over on Patreon. Uh, that like maybe we save this for a different moment and the next moment where they play it would be the second night at Randall's Island in the second encore so they saved it for something big in front of a big crowd kind of got to test the waters with it a little bit and thought all right well this is one that maybe we should utilize a little bit more and you know throughout the years it's obviously became what it's become but it took a very long time for it to do that again evolution episode over on patreon that should cover basically all of it. but um yeah like it's it's not quite there yet but it has elements where you can if you're if you're paying attention you're not uh, rabbling dur- during the song you're like okay this has potential to go somewhere I yeah, think there, if I had been there, I would have been spellbound. Absolutely. Right. I think there are definitely some people that were uh, enamored by it, I, I would have to say. Because yeah, reading reviews from back then, and maybe it was the 
the Randall's Island, Island Review that was on Five, Five Horizons, whoever wrote that said that present tense was their favorite from the record. Yeah. So early on, that's a good indication. Uh, somebody chants for Matt Lucan, and sadly, Lucan is not there, which is weird because it it's one of the few album tracks that's not played in this night, like we mentioned before, but also... I guess weird that Matt Lucan isn't there and weird that they wouldn't play it anyway. Cause it takes a minute to play and most people right. kind of know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe they just weren't, maybe they just weren't feeling it. You know, a lot of times that one shows up when it's, he's like trolling the crowd a little bit like, Oh, here's this classical piece of music that we wrote, or here's this very serious, you know, and then they just bust out into it. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, and and that can go back to 1995 too, and yeah. and it was basically it was there from the start. Look, we we covered the debut when we talked about the Piss Bottle Men show. Basically, every other night in 1995, they would play this because it just kind of fit the the mood, fit the setting. I think it. I mean, I think it's a perfect kind of club show song. It's kind of like in the same root as habit. Like when you think yeah. of punk bands playing in small dank clubs, you think okay, they play the Lucan type of songs, but maybe, maybe to your point. Yeah. Like after a present tense into a red mosquito, it just doesn't quite have a place in the set. Yeah. Maybe. And it was like, you know, they they could have been like, okay, you know, we, we know that one. We, we, we can play it anytime. We, we don't need to, to work through that one here at this kind of warm up show. Right. And I'm going to actually check right now. Did they play it in key arena? They did. They played it at key arena. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, it, for the for the folks, and I'm sure there were many of them that were there that went to Key Arena the following night. Uh, Despite Ed's pleadings with them later. Ex- exactly. Uh, they got to see it anyway. So yeah. uh, that leads us to the next No Code song, which is Red Mosquito, which is not a debut from the show. Because back in late 95, when we were kind of doing those makeup shows on the West Coast, in Utah, and in San Jose, and San Diego this song would pop up and i think even at one of those shows ed talked about like this was about the incident or or kind of played off of that and uh and kind of made you think that that's exactly what it's about but you know what this version kind of gave me vibes of it kind of gave me some berlin 96 vibes and this is why the beginning is just super ultra fast and the band sounded really really tight with it but then, when the lyrics are supposed to kick in, Ed's a little bit late to it. This version could have used that extended intro before the lyrics kicked in, I thought. Yeah, they. this is one, like you said, the, from the very beginning, they sounded like it explodes out of the speakers. It sounds great. is apt because like we talked about on that episode where this one just it just blew you out of the this because you felt like you know we talked about it just maybe taking a moment to just let the music kind of wash over them a little bit and yeah i can feel that on this one too like just because it's such a powerful intro and like it it hits it's got that kind of like 
almost like Zeppelin-esque kind of 70s blues riff to it, but it's also like a little bit weird and a little bit heavy. And yeah, it's it's a good one for this for this spot. Yep, I mean Jack again. Jack's a highlight. Mike's a highlight. Yeah. Like you know, Jack and Mike. It doesn't get talked about enough, but I felt like they had such a good connection. They bounced off each other so well where Mike was just able to go off and have Jack kind of elevate his tempo a little bit more whenever Mike would kind of start shredding and and kind of challenge Mike a little bit and and kind of, I I would fair to say that Jack made Mike a better guitarist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think we, we talk about, you know, you always hear about Oh, you know the relationship between the drummer and the bass player because that's the rhythm section. You yep. know, the rhythm guitarist and the, and the drummer have to be locked in. But whenever you get like uh, a lead guitarist and a drummer like this locked in, then you've got something special. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like it doesn't need to be said on a program like this, but they are five of the most talented musicians on planet Earth at the time. So, like when you can create energy and create something like that, like you, you know, you have something. Good. And I, I think from very early on probably from the moment where jack kind of stepped in at the end of the vitality sessions and kind of knew and kind of knew the outside so uh stone prepares everybody says all right get ready and ed says that this is his favorite song Stone brought this to the table, and I, I used to have, there are two schools of thought on this, because there, there's one, and I can kind of go to the other side in a sec, but the, the one thought here is that Stone brought it to the table and Ed said, wow, that's really good, you should sing it. Or Ed saw the lyrics and was like, oh, Ovaltine and Listerine, Stone, you can have this one. What, like, I, was he being genuine when he said that this was his favorite? I, oh, I think ab- he was. Absolutely. I think he was. Yeah, he's Ed's not above singing over about over the <laughs> He he wrote bugs like we're we're beyond we're beyond that. I think oh I think the the first one is absolutely the way it happened. I think he was I think Stone absolutely intended for Ed to sing it, and he was like, Ed's like no, you know you you take this one, you know, and we know now that you know don't give me no lip came out of those sessions as well and then you had you know stuff like sunburn which never kind of made it uh past the the demo stage but you know this was yeah this was i think ed like after vitology like you know stone kind of felt you know you go back to the movies Stone kind of felt like you know vitology maybe not our best record you know it didn't feel like i was didn't feel like i had as much of a, a role in that one 
this is maybe right. going like, here, you know, you, you've got this song, you sing it. You, we're, he's he's sharing the wealth. Like, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to let you have this one. Because, yeah, I, I have no doubt that he liked it. And it sounds even like the Ramones. Like, why not? Yeah, of course. Even in 96, though, like, you know, when you think of versions now and when you, when you think, you know, when Ed kind of passes the baton to Stone and Stone kind of... Plays, plays embarrassed and he's like oh, I don't know if I can do it and sometimes they fuck it up sometimes they don't but like there's a lot more confidence within Stone uh, in 1996 when this song comes up like he, it feels like he wants to do it. it not necessarily that he doesn't want to do it now but it's kind of it's kind of gimmicky right it's like they turn it into like a shtick but this is right. like it's just part of the set and, the, and I'll pose another question to you is this the best version of Mankind ever um, I would have to go through the other 44 or 43 and I would have to determine, but it's, it's very good. And one of the yeah. things that I realized out of it is that Mike just has an incredible solo in it. And I, I guess you sort of, that kind of leaves your, your, your memory and your focus is, is usually on what Stone's doing. And, and, and that's the, the prime focus of the song. Cause it's so different than every other song, but Mike shreds on this too. Like it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, they're locked in. It sounds tight. Like it's fast. Yeah. I think this, this might be the, the, the best version I've heard. That's a good conversation for an evolution episode or for mm-hmm. another uh, another setting, but we'll figure that out at some oh, point. We could do an evolution episode on just stone singing. Period. <laughs> I just want to do an evolution episode on Sunburn. Yeah. That's all I yeah. want. Give me Ooh, that. It's great. Every day of the week. Uh, Ed prefaces the next song by saying, this is about me or a roommate. I haven't figured it out yet. And they go and off he goes. This is another one, like I was mentioning with present tense, that in the setting of the show box, it doesn't kind of come off the way that maybe the band would want it to come off. There's a lot more chatting. There's a lot more talking over it. Like, you know... Even with the acoustic stuff that they would do at the time, Bridge School was mostly the setting where that worked. You look at a song like Nothing Man. Nothing Man was played once before 1996, before they went back to it at the 96 Bridge School shows. And then after that, it kind of started to get implemented in the set a little bit more. But they're not busting out the acoustic as much as they would do now, where Off He Goes kind of has that place in that sort of cool down area in the encore or even sometimes in the beginning of a set in the in the top three if they're they're starting off with with kind of a, a cool uh, a cool up i suppose <laughs> that's yeah. a horrible way to put it uh but like it i i, I don't know if at 96 they know really what to do with it at the time mm. i think they just they like the song and they want to implement it but i don't know if well, same with present tense. This is something that has to mature with the crowd as time goes on.
it got played in the middle of the set a lot in in 98 and, and 2000 and even you know continuing through the years it it did occasionally pop up in this this mid part of the section i think like this one is so it's it's different i think i, I don't i don't think it hit like yeah you know, i mentioned present tense maybe didn't hit as hard i think this one still kind of hits i think it's you, you mentioned kind of the talking and yeah that, that's going to happen in a in a bar like this but i think this one to me sounded like it it's, it's a great way to close this little no code section i think it could have been an album closer even if you're if we can you know talk about that you know if you're gonna in a world where around the bend doesn't make that record then off he goes could absolutely close that i think it i think it's this one still hits a little bit for me yeah i'm not saying that it doesn't hit i i'm just i think i think that some songs take more time to mature a little bit and i'm not even saying that they wanted to stay away from it because obviously like you said they would play it in this part of the set in 96 more more often than not but i i think for the fans to uh i i guess kind of understand that this is the direction that pearl jam's going with i i think this one might have taken a little bit longer than something like hail hail or red mosquito but i could be wrong look i could be wrong on that it was a time for ex- experimenting, and, and yeah. this was part of it. But yeah, I mean, again, one of my favorites immediately off of the record. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's all the no-code stuff besides one. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the show, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, and Ed's kind of ma- makes a mention after that. He says that was pretty fun. The next part of the show is what we call the human jukebox, which is pretty accurate. And... Uh, this is going to start off with Animal into Last Exit. A lot of these songs, they're going to be more Vitalogy-centric than they are going to be 10 versus centric which is interesting. But what I wanted to listen to in this section the most was listening to Ed's vocals, because I always thought that there was a distinct change from 95 going into 96, where on some songs, and I think right off the bat, Animal and Last Exit are really, really good examples of this, where some songs through the whole entire song he would just scream or go raspy or elevate his voice the whole entire time just energy and he was doing that feral kind of unhinged thing of course yeah and there was a a time and i'm gonna maybe peg it around when mirrorball was out and around the time that neil was hanging out with the band and i don't remember if it was neil that actually said this but somebody brought it up to ed and said you can't sing like that or else you're not going to have a career much past the next five years. You have to change things up. And the way that some of these songs after this, the way that Animal and Last Exit, you can kind of hear it in his voice that he's sort of trying to retrain himself to find those moments where he can elevate and then the rest of the song have it be more uh, approachable, more singable. I, you know, there, there are spots where he does bring in the growl but i think he he's definitely trying a different approach here yeah he was he was picking his moments and and you're right like i was trying to pick my brain like that it sounds like neil but it, it could have been pete townsend it could have been henry rollins it could have been michael stipe one of those kind of like mentorish type of figures i remember hearing the the quote i think you're we're talking about the same thing where he they got to him and like you yeah you've got to learn how to like you've got this amazing instrument you've got to learn how to, to harness it and use it the right way or you're going to lose it. He was definitely, like, learning to like pick his moments and 
hit those spots. Like even last exit has the it, it changes to there's a little spoken bit there that mm-hmm. you know not a minute longer, which is definitely different. I think it goes along too with him, you know, wanting to be like you said a little more nameless and a little more faceless. Like he doesn't want to be it. Do, he doesn't want to be Eddie Vedder in the Pearl Jam's. Like they're maturing. They're they're a band and he doesn't have to be the crazy front man anymore, you know, climbing up the, the rafters and showing off to get everyone involved. You know, they're, they're, they're a band and they're going to move forward as a band. So yeah, I think that that all goes along with it. Yeah. And it's not that, like I mentioned, it's not that you don't have those voice growl moments. You have that, let my spirit burn. Like you have that, you have some of those moments in animal, but even like at the end and ending animal where in 94, 95, he would just, even in the second song of the night, he would just all, let it all hang out there. He doesn't. He kind of lets it just, lets it go a little bit and uh, kind of be what it is. And it's sort of saving himself for the rest of the night or the rest of his career, kind of like I mentioned before. But there is one song in particular that we'll get to where I thought that that was just egregious in that aspect. I'll, and he's, but we'll and get he's getting into he's getting into his thirties now. Like he can't he's screaming sure. like you were when you were twenty two, twenty three, twenty four years old. Right. And even when you think about it, the ninety six tour wasn't it was more like thirty shows instead of uh forty five or right. whatever right. there was in ninety five. So they're doing a lot less now in order for them to kind of maintain this pace. Um, so again, like we mentioned, uh, the 10 songs are, it's even flowing alive from the show. Even flow is right here and you're kind of, you're kind of starting to set over. So I guess this would be at the time, the even flow spot, like sort of in the middle ish, so to speak. Uh, but like it does take my raspy voice theory and kind of throws it out the window here. He's pretty much uh shrieking throughout the whole thing but it's kind of it's kind of also just short it it feels like jack and mike's section in this is just tight and to the point and maybe even shorter than what you get on the album jack and mike complement each other so well but it's again the facet of 10 not really being in the picture i guess this is just one that they just kind of wanted to get through yeah and it's kind of a shame that we don't talk about these versions with Jack and Mike on even flow the same way that we talk about like immortality mm-hmm. or last exit or even like you know, we talk about in my tree and hail hail present tense because this could have been one that could have been really special for Jack and, and Mike together but yeah this is it's it's it doesn't really fit at the show like I, I get what Ed was saying it's, it's kind of bluesy you know you of course you get the don't vote Republican being that it's 96 before the election yep. mm-hmm. and yeah it just it just didn't really fit it did. It yeah. did feel like a human jukebox a little bit. Yep. And then look, the next five songs are either Vitalogy or Vitalogy era. All, of them, all of these fit in within Jack's wheelhouse. Tremor Christ, not for you. Immortality, whipping. I got shit. Like there are definitely things to talk about on the latter half with that. Tremor Christ. I'm gonna start off here. It. It's fine. It feels a little bit fast though. It doesn't have that ability to reverberate and and just boom like like those piss bottle men versions that we talked about the riffs are kind of shortened up a little bit they're they're a lot less janky they're a lot they it just kind of feels a little bit tighter um and they played a decent amount in 96 but definitely nowhere near the way they they would the previous year so it was kind of i guess starting to fall out of favor uh as opposed to 
uh, some of the some of the other ones that that would come up. Right, I think by by 2000 it only got played once on that tour. Right. So yeah, it 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 kind of had a it flashed very brightly and then and then went away. But yeah, again, Jack. I mean, what can you say? He he owns the song. Yeah, he does, and I I I feel like I wanted it to be a traditional '95 version. It just yeah. it was just tightened up a little bit, and it didn't have that flavor that it usually does in in the previous tour. Uh, Not for you is terrific though. It kind of has a balanced pace to it, but it it's able to build, it's able to get you those moments. However, I think the story here is kind of the way they get out of "Not for You" and intro into immortality this is the first time that we get the immortality arpeggiated intro just a, a great place to, to debut something like that and th- that the whole song just kills like by the i was dead by the end of his immortality it's it's fantastic yeah and you know what i noticed on the intro and this was probably discussed back when we did the immortality evolution episode another good one that's over on the patreon but like it was pretty much a 96 things where you where you got the drums to kind of kick in a little bit before going into the actual song and I, I thought that was always kind of a cool aspect not something that they went back to all that often but definitely something interesting when when adding in that extra flavor in the intro the things that stick out with with the jack versions are the intro and the outro again after when they when they figure out it and when jack just starts going off at the end it's really really special all, really really cool all symbols on this version yeah. mostly it's like it's pounding toms but this is all symbols at the end here it's very good. It just kills. Yeah. It's very good. I mean, it's exactly what you want out of Jack and, and this song in this era. Uh, and, you know, whipping, I, th- I thought whipping was, was, was really good here. Sometimes whipping can just be like this f- completely fast-tempoed song, but when they kind of bring it to more of a balanced mid-tempo pace, I like when they do that with whipping. It just has... I don't know, it has more of a, uh, a groove to it, I suppose. Like, it, it maybe feels, in the, in a way, like Jack playing on Dave's version a little bit. Yeah, and you you hit it. Like, Jack, for me, is the one that... It, it feels like almost in that rearview mirror tempo or that mm. MFC tempo where it, it's just pushing and it's pushing. It reminded me a lot of some of those mirror ball songs where... 
Jack is just like perfectly driving those songs like something like I'm the Ocean or something like Song X it, yeah whipping like it really had some some motion and some tension to it it sounded really good yeah uh, again like usually when you get versions of whipping it, even in this era or nowadays it's just balls to the wall they're just going to go out yeah. and they're yeah. just going to fire through with it because it can be a two two and a half minute song and you know and, and excite energize the crowd and go on to the next thing but I, I think they're again a lot of things from the show even the songs that you know they haven't played in close to a year they're trying to mess around and experiment with it and uh yeah whipping whipping would still get played in 96 i don't think that's ever one that really left the set list it it, it would become it would become more rare but it's not like they ever went a full tour without playing it right right so uh, just a three chord, three chords, no waiting. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's an easy one, especially if you're in the encore or something like that. And you're like, okay, what, what are we just going to throw in? That's a perfect one to just, just add, just have it, have it in your back pocket. Yeah. I Got Shit is a really good conversation here because we've never discussed a version of I Got Shit where Cinnamon Girl was interpreted in, yeah. in the middle of it. to like a version like either this one or one of the other ones in 96 where, where they did Cinnamon Girl but I, 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 I sometimes would listen to the song and be like where where is the Cinnamon Girl in this and then when you bust it out you're like oh that's exactly where it is hmm. like you almost feel stupid for not thinking about it yeah it, it punches you in the face because you're we like oh how did I not see that before but right. yeah I mean it, he's, he's gone on record as talking about how he you know, and the, we we you know we talk a lot about the the beginning of Long Road and like Ed saying you know Neil saying oh what you got and I got shit but he, yeah he just ripped off Cinnamon Girl right. for for I got shit but not you could do a lot worse <laughs> to rip off than than one of Neil's like unsung classics but I think we got we got to talk to Dave because Dave it's not on there does, doesn't have this on his I got we got to talk because I think this was the first time you know he mentioned the. You know, there's there's a lot of firsts at this show. The first time for the immortality, you know, the first time you know, eight song debuts. Obviously, we talked about, but this is, I believe, the first time Cinnamon Girls tagged on. I got shit. So another very cool moment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't remember any version from '95 where that happened. I think this was more of a '96 yeah. type of instance. But uh, yeah, uh, there's there's going to be a text coming Dave's way. That's for sure. And by the end of the week, if you're checking out this page on Live Footsteps, you might see. The little tag with Cinnamon Girl on the back end by God shit. But again, uh, not something we you need. See we need a little day. badge for the live on four legs detective, like <laughs> to put on live footsteps. Like this one, we uncovered. This, you know, yeah, we, this we, is we ours. Work on something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll hit us, hit us up, it. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, in between songs here, they're just about to end this set before getting into a little mini encore. Ed says, cheers, pretty good for the first night. Next song is called Leaving Here, and that's exactly what we're going to do when the song's over. Leaving Here ends the main set of this, and the Home Alive record came out, I think, in between the tour in 95 and yeah. this record sometime, I think yeah. it was late 95 where it came out. Uh, but a good version. Everybody kind of gets their solo here, and they played a lot in 96. So this is one, obviously, they're playing on this night to prepare to play a lot on this tour. And they, they that classic, I always mention it every time, they played it on Letterman, and mm. they fucking cut it off <laughs> after, like, right before Ed starts to sing. And that is my all-time Pearl Jam Holy Grail. If someone has that performance, I, I've been looking for it for, God, 25 years now. And I mean, you maybe, s- maybe someday. You said you had a cousin that worked for Letterman. If I she did. couldn't get it, then I know, I know. Oh. Yeah, but I remember just being like, like they're oh they're gonna play leading here, and then like oh like no <laughs> no. But then I I remember like I remember thinking like someone will have this. Like someone taped it, someone has it, and then no one has ever had it. Wow. I wonder if there's like a television archives, like CBS has an archive somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I, maybe I'll make a phone call. One somebody. of the cameramen on Letterman just kept rolling and like, yeah, has it and it's in a file file cabinet somewhere at CBS. Yeah. Well, hey, look, that 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 might be a tougher case to solve, but if we oh, yeah. if we got to have to go to some high places, or have to have to grease some palms to get that yeah, one. Yeah, if we got to put our best men on it, we will. Yeah. All right, we're at the encore here, which means it's time to pause for station identification, talk a little bit about what we're doing over at Patreon. And uh, last week we made a big deal about what was happening to Patreon because we just hit 100 members, which we're still very excited about. And we have two new members to thank this week. Uh, thank you to Heidi Marks, who's been doing a terrific job with our Concertpedia project and helping yeah. write for that. She joined up on the Horizon leg, which means she's going to get an episode and That's a profile, cool. which is going to be awesome. Can't wait to see those. Uh, And thanks to John Cooney. He's somebody that's reached out on Instagram uh, a few times and now he's a patron. So awesome. Great stuff. Great to have those two aboard. And uh, yeah, we have, I I believe probably by this time, a set list draft would be posted out. And uh, I think the other things to kind of look out for some point in the future would be the hard to imagine evolution episode. I would say sometime in May that would happen. Maybe hopefully earlier rather than later, but we'll, We'll take it day by day with that. But again, if uh, people want to help contribute to the show, we have our three tiers. John, why don't you explain what they can get from joining up? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the horizon leg for the for the people who are interested in, you know, supporting our Concertpedia project. And, you know, they, you can donate ten dollars a month. You'll like you said, you'll get all the benefits of the other tiers. You'll get to have come on an episode if you want, suggest a show. You'll get a profile episode. You get credit on the website. Plus, you get access to all of the the bonus audio content on Patreon. That's that's fantastic. We love all our Horizon Leg people. We couldn't do we couldn't do everything we're doing without them. We also have the Giga Leg tier for five dollars a month. If you don't feel like you're ready for something like the Horizon Leg yet, for five dollars a month, you can become a Giga Leg, and that gets you 
access to uh, request a show for us to cover. Like, you know, you, you may have a show that you went to that we haven't talked about that you thought was really good. There may be a show that you think is underappreciated that you would like to like us to spotlight for a week. That That's there for you for that. Plus, again, all the, the bonus audio content on Patreon, the Settlist Drafts, the Devo episodes, the Evolution episodes, the Bridge School series, all the 1991 things we've been doing, all that stuff is there for you. And then if you're if you're just kind of new to this and you're like, yeah, I don't really know about Patreon, I don't really know how it works, but you're, you've heard us talk about some of the extra stuff that we're doing, you're like, I'd, be, I'd kind of be interested in hearing some of that. You have the one the $1 tier, the bonus leg, where you can just jump on, donate $1 for a month, Go in there, check out all that audio content, see if it's something you're into. And then if you want to stick with that, fantastic. We love our bonus like people just as much as our horizon like people. And and but then the other things are there for you if you feel like after a while you wanna you wanna bump up and, and get 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 a little more stuff going on there. So yeah, that those are the three tiers. We also I want to mention our Discord. Uh, hit us up for the Discord link if you're on if you're on Discord and you we've got a lot of stuff going on there some really good conversation some things pop up on there that that don't always pop up pop up on other places so that's another uh cool little community thing we've got going on yeah and i just want to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying with uh about the the, the and mainly this is more for anybody who's new to patreon and might not know how it works if you're having trouble with it, if you're having trouble navigating it, you're having trouble finding specific episodes. I know a lot of people joined up for the Bogart show and probably are still trying to find it. Now, when we posted that, the actual bootleg that, I, that I'm talking about here, uh, after a week, the way that we posted it, it expires. So it only takes, you know, it's only up there for a week, but we're going to post the flack version at some point. If that's what you joined up for Patreon for, and you're not able to get it, reach out to us personally. We're really easy, really accessible to get in sure. touch with. Sure. You can either message us through Patreon. You can hit us up on our, our Gmail live on four legs podcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever we're, we're, we're all over the place. I'll, I'm usually 24 seven glued to that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll know to answer your call, uh, when it comes. But if you, if you're ever having trouble with any of that stuff and, and want a specific episode to find that you joined up for Patreon for, we're always welcome to assist. So that's patreon.com slash live on four legs or search for live on four legs on the Patreon app. So, all right, back to the rock. We get into the first song of the encore, and weirdly enough, it's Wash.
reason why I say weirdly enough is because the last time Wash was played was at Bridge School 94. That's the only version that Jack had played on, which I find to be very interesting. But also when we talked a little bit about our... I don't think this was a a an option in the Jack Dave Matt Battle Royale that we did, but this has primarily been thought of as a Dave song. And Jack played it, I think, five or six times on this tour a little bit later. It's not one that really kind of meshed in with this era. And you can even tell it's towards the end of the song they kind of abruptly end it, and it just doesn't feel like it's quite Jack's cup of tea. Yeah, the the ending is the thing that stuck out to me. Is you know they Jack is so good at at going by feel and you know knowing when a song needs to be extended and how it's going to work. We, we we mention them all the time: immortality, last exit, not for you, like I am my tree. Like you can go on and on, but. Yeah, this one was was strange. It was almost like this was kind of a, a throwback to kind of like, oh, here's one for the here's one for the old for the old folks, you know, like sure. Here's some here's something that you know here's a little treat for the people who who've been there from the beginning. And they weren't doing that a lot at this point. And yeah, it's it's just strange. I think I you know if, if you want to you know mention the the drummer thing, I'd probably give this one to Cameron. I think he's probably done the most with it. Interesting. Okay. I, like, I always just think of just starting the show and the way the way that, like, this juxtaposition with a release and this kind of allows yeah. Dave to kind of go heavy on it, but release, you know, maybe hang back, maybe hang back a little bit on songs like Release and Oceans. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can go either way. I can go either Canada or Dave on it. I think Dave gets a little bit of a match for me, but uh, it, it's clearly not one that they really wanted to to add into the set a little bit in, in 96 yeah, it, it just goes to show they they were not really into those 10 era songs at this point and we're going to get to the big one oh yeah in, in, a, in, a, in a little while and that's going to be become a, a big point but it is they just they just were kind of falling out of love with all those songs so many songs like fell off in 1995 you know you can go down the list of them like a lot of those songs just disappeared right and you know some some like why go and leash like they have that ability to not be played at, at the shows anymore but there are some songs like we talked about with even flow we're about to get to in just a second with another song like you can't not play those songs at your show this is our little versus section that we get go into dissident and uh i mean go i love jack versions of go i think that's been apparent whenever we've done a 1995 1996 version of this uh just opening up with that kind of that extra hi-hat hit in in the verses and it also feels like ed is kind of taking a different approach it's not that there's no intensity to the song it's just he's he's honing it in he's utilizing it differently uh and stone actually gives jack a shout out after the song so stone's on my side i'm on stone's side yeah yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm. I'm always on stone side. Yeah, that's in, in more ways than one. But uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, goes fantastic. It's it's maybe the highlight of this encore. I I think it has to be uh, because dissident is to me a little bit of a miss, and yeah. I I kind of brought it up, and I don't know if if you picked up on it, but this was a conversation that we had in the Discord this past weekend, mm-hmm. just about versions of dissident where Ed just allows him his voice to soar and rock it like he does on the record. 
because this is like he's not even making the attempt to do it. And I get it. It's more often than not at the end where he just kind of lays off and kind of does the sarcastic, escape is never the safest play. I, I get it. Like, that's his, his shtick with the song. But the versions of Dissident that really stand out are the ones where he's just able to kind of match Mike's power. And even when he's not, you lose a little bit of Mike's power. Yeah, this was before, you know, this was before Mike really came into his own he hadn't quite taken over the song yet so it still needed it still needed both of them together to really get the the full punch of it and yeah i agree this one like you know you probably go back to slims as probably being the probably the best one because you're getting the debut and you know you're something like atlanta obviously you know people talk about that version and being on the singles and everything people associated with that but yeah this one by by 96 like eh, i'm just kind of over distant and santa felt like they were too yeah, I, I, I agree. This is not the era for it. It would stick around. It would have a lifespan. Yeah. Well, I just mentioned all those songs that weren't played. Like, this one did. It was around in 96. It was around in 97. It was around in 98. It was around in 2000. So they they, they stuck with it. Yeah. And yeah. That's probably because of Mike. Yeah, probably. That's probably because yeah. they want Mike to, to have a stand at So here we are at a live, and I think we alluded to this, but, like, this is just the driest version of a live that there is. And you, it's almost like you couldn't get any emotional response out of it from this human jukebox. Yeah. And even stone says it at the end. He, he says, okay, mm-hmm. we're over it. That's, that's the moment. Yep. Oh my, I, I get like, it. Yeah, I, we're done. I get it from their standpoint. I get it from their standpoint. Yeah. It's the it's the most overplayed song that they have next to even Flo and Jeremy. I get it, and I get that they want to move yeah. forth and move, move forward with it, but it's always going to be there. It's always going to stick around in, in some aspects. And I know, you know, ten years later they'll they'll find they'll find the reason to keep it sticking around, and the fans would react to it much different at that point. But it, it just they're not feeling. it. There's no other way to. There's no other way to describe it. They're, they're just not feeling this. Yeah, you know, there was the one in in '95 where it was like, oh, you know, I don't even know why we play this. Right, anymore. Red Rocks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's just like, just not not feeling it. All those those ten era songs, just they for whatever reason they they just moved on. I think I think probably playing them made them feel a little weird. It made them kind of feel like they were going through all that stuff they went through in the early years, and they just. Right. They were over that at this point. They they were changing. They wanted to do something different. Right. Especially with Jack and knowing what yeah. songs that really worked with him. And granted, like, Versus songs and 10 songs did work with him. But, like, you listen to the Vitalogy record and you essentially think, like, that is right where they wanted Jack to be. Jack could have been on that record and it would have been an absolutely perfect record. That probably dare I say to a lot of people's dismay better, better than what what Dave brought to the table but every single song that was picked for Jack in our little competition thing was a Vitalogy song so that should speak volumes to what he was doing and where the band saw him but even with this version of Live like they could have extended the jam and they could have like gotten into it a little bit but no they just alright let's let's just close out the night 
we'll we'll see you later and and ed even kind of sarcastically after this hey this was almost worth leaving the house right you're you're welcome yeah, see you all monday big quote from this yeah right and he said if i came to this show i wouldn't come monday night but we were feeling nervous tonight and played well now we're cocky and we're gonna suck i can feel myself getting all cocky i, I yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know how he's, to react he's to right though i mean you you know when you're when you're a little nervous and when there's a little tension, it, it sometimes makes you play better. I I get that for sure. Absolutely, yeah, you got you get a little bit more focused. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and then yeah. when you think you have it is when and that happens in sports all the time when you're on a hot streak and you you think you're locked in a zone and then all of a sudden like a ball that that you hit to to dead center field your last time up you're striking out on like you can lose it. Easy, yeah. you know. You don't think about it. Just, just do easily. it. Uh, there's good conversation to be had here with the closing song, and that's with Around the Bend. It's the good night song, as they would say. This is the live debut, as as was with a, a lot of the earlier No Code songs. They decide to close this one out and would only play it 13 more times in their history. So wow. that goes to show how they felt about the song. However, this is a statistic for you. Out of those 14 versions... We on this podcast have now covered 10. That's impressive. Yeah. It pops up pops up in important moments. At Bridge School, Benaroya, like we've yep. done a lot of those. Uh, Moline, we've done a lot of those shows. So they'd only play it twice more in 96. And, you know, if you want to say it closed the Bridge School, okay. But it was also the closer for the Barcelona show that a lot of people uh, uh, that was popularized and, and yeah. a lot of people know. Uh, but I wonder if they just didn't know what to do with this one. If they didn't know, okay, this isn't really going to be a closing song because it's not going to get the same reaction that Ledbetter and Indifference or a co- or one of the main covers does. It's kind of a lullaby. It's kind of like there's no sing-along aspect to it. It's not really an arena song. It's not really a club song. What the hell do they do with it? Really later down the line, that's just what it is. It's it's just a deep cut that can kind of be a surprise somewhere later in the set. And and when you think about it, I, I went I kind of did some numbers on this. Out of the 14 versions, I think there were only five that weren't in the encore. So yeah. they're not utilizing this a lot. And, the, and those five, like Moline's and Bridge Schools, and uh, I think one of the nights where they opened up for Tom Petty, like those are the kind of shows that they weren't utilizing in the encore. So this is has turned into one of those, okay, you, you want to get one of those uh, check checkbox songs off in the early the early encore where they kind of bust out a fatal or footsteps or something like that. This, this became one of those, but not something that they would really capitalize on at this point.
could have been like an indifference kind of a thing maybe where it could have been a little moodier and like get some interesting stuff going on with it maybe kind of a a, you mentioned like it's not a sing-along but there's some there's some lines in there that a crowd could latch on to i feel like it's there could have been some clapping moments yeah it just never really never had a chance and yeah it's like you said it's one of those things that where's where's the spot for a lullaby at a rock show like it's tough yeah it just doesn't yeah right and i think that's one of the weird aspects of of no code that they were just kind of experimenting with things and see what kind of stuck to the wall and even for a lot of fans that listened to no code and really enjoyed the first half of the record later you get with something really weird you get to i'm open you're kind of like okay i don't know how i feel about this and you kind of can trail off the rest of the record and around the bend just kind of goes kind of over your head a little bit maybe that happens maybe it doesn't this is not performance based though they they have it like this sounds really good this is a good performance i think it's just a matter of how people are going to react to it and what to do with it and it just didn't seem to really have the legs which is is unfortunate because you want every song to have representation and and i mentioned i'm open i'm open and get played until way 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 later but right like that that's kind of in your bugs ish category kind of so but yeah around the bend only only 14 times and if you take if you take out the kind of one-offs like your benner like you said benneroy and bridge school and stuff like that's that's criminal like it they just they just forgot about this song almost. yeah uh, they played it twi- it should have like even even randomly it should have appeared twice that much they, they played it twice in 2018 so if that's yeah. any indication yeah. that okay maybe they're thinking about it a little more maybe that would be a reason but one of those shows that they played it at was also uh the second london night that was the makeup show but i mean you look down the line there are shows like uh columbia Santiago, Chile, that was the other 2018 show. Uh, Moline, that's obvious. Phoenix from 2013. And then, randomly, in 2006, uh, the Milwaukee show, that's the one I mentioned before with Tom Petty. They opened for Tom Petty that night. And the other one is Grand Rapids. That's where they really got into experimenting with that sort of complete encore cooldown where the whole entire encore was basically songs like that so yeah and that i mean it took them a long time like this in between 1998 and and 2003 226 shows before they would play it again so yeah it's one of the rarest of the rare but the first night where they're gonna bust out all the no code songs it's gonna be part of this and uh uh, you know, obviously from our standpoint, wish we could add more of it because there's only going to be four more instances that we're going to be able to ever talk about this song again. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we can spread them out a little bit more. I don't think any of those are really on our radar at the moment. So, but hey, we got, we got yeah, to do this be, one and it'll be, it'd be fun when it pops up again for sure. Of yeah. Course. I like talking about it. All right, let's get to picking some uh, top moments from this. Are they all no-code moments? Can I pick seven? Like, yeah, this is tough. This is tough. Um, yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go with immortality before I get to the other stuff. Because is that a, that's an honorable a, mention, or is that 
in that, the that's three. a number three. That's a number that's three. That's a number okay. three. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's between, you know, that those those first four of the album in order. You can, you know, we we talked a lot about who you are. We talked a lot about in my tree. Those are both amazing. Hail hail, love it. Mankind, maybe the best ever. You know, I'll I'll say who you are and in my tree. Those two, like getting them with Jack for the first time, just super super special to listen to and just you know i wanted to go back and listen to it over and over again so those are those are going to be my three yeah i i think i have who you are and in my tree in there as well and for the third one either a red mosquito or a mankind gun to my head there are probably i i know there are way more better versions than red mosquito that are out there but like to your point are there mankinds that that reach this kind of plateau i I'm I'm unsure. That's but it was very good. It was good enough for me to kind of give it the nod here. So I'm going to go with mankind on this. All right. So now let's get to a rating portion of this. Um what do you got? I'll let you go first. Whew. Yeah, this is this is high. I mean, you, you talk about this 96 tour. We mentioned everything that was going on around the show all the important stuff so so many iconic like ed moments from this like little little off little offliners and stuff with little one-liners that he has that have just become kind of iconic and you you associate with this show i'm gonna give this a 10 uh i'm giving it a nine i'm not at a 10 level on this um i it doesn't and maybe it's just me but like i didn't grow up with this I like I didn't yeah. I, I I know I I knew of a lot of the moments I knew of a lot of the moments and you know I, I think there was a lot of growing pains that were going on during the show and maybe that's holding me back from uh making this a 10 show instead of a nine I think it's very important I think it's I think it was very important for us to do I think it's important for us to listen and you know a lot of our focus from this episode was really honing in on these no code songs and giving them their time in the sun very very early on I think that those aspects were very important but uh I don't maybe as importance goes it could be closer to a 10, but as a, as a show overall, I'm, I'm in a nine category yeah. for this. So that's, that's yeah. where I'm standing. And I thought about, you know, cause you know, it's, he does say, Oh, here's the human jukebox as in like, here's the stuff we don't care about. Right. right? Here's, here's, here's the stuff we, here's the stuff you came to hear. You idiots, you know, you sheep that just want to hear us play the hits right you can but, stop talking over songs like right. present tense and yeah but but they but they don't like they don't come out and play jeremy and daughter and and better man and all that stuff like you still get a tremor christ you still get a really good not for you you still get a good really good immortality you still get i got shit like we talked about those these are really important versions of immortality and i got shit for I, what they are like i agree getting, with that. leaving here to to close a main set um and you, you and you, even then, the, you know, we talked about how how even flow and alive and wash were kind of off. But I think that that's just adds to their, like you said, the importance of it. I think these are those are these are important performances of these songs to figure out what they were going to do with them and whether they were going to stick around. And yeah, I think this is yeah, this is is importance and everything. And I and I I can't let I can't let that overshadow the the great great no code performances on this the first time like that that for me makes it makes it a 10 every time so that's that's my justification okay and look i'm i'm not we're arguing between a nine and a ten here that 
doesn't mean we hate the show. Like that is giving right. it high praise no matter what. It's such a very small margin to be really dissecting that close. Like there there were a few things like the 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 stuff with a lot like had this have been more of an energetic show, I don't I don't know. It does fit the personality of the time, but again, like maybe that's a little bit of could be a little bit of a turnoff with the jukebox songs. I'm not sure, but I, I don't see this as being in the 10 area. I do think it's a very solid nine. And from those no code songs, that's that's what makes the show important. That's what makes the show good. So um, okay. I, I understand the importance of this and I definitely enjoyed the the best stuff from this show was the best stuff. So, all right, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to be a little coy on this and we're not going to tell you what we're going to do, uh, because we're going to wait, we're going to wait on it. And, uh, I think you're going to like what we do because what we do every single week is we give you a different Pearl Jam show from all over the catalog, all over the Pantheon. And, uh, next week won't be any different. It's going to be a good show. Promise you that. But right now we got to leave off with that and just say goodbye, say our lullaby, around the bend because this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways i miss you already and i miss you always if you are not subscribed to us on apple spotify soundcloud subscribe you can get the pop-ups that that tell you when there are new episodes coming out and you never know when there is going to be a new episode obviously mostly it's wednesdays but we could surprise you and we could put something out on a monday or a thursday you never know we always have these little interviews and things that come down the pike so you just never know keep subscribed and uh, hey if you want to rate us five stars on apple that'll help us out too that'll give us the visibility get more Pearl Jam fans listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, I guess we're done here. Want to live with a cinnamon girl? It was, a, it was almost worth leaving the house for this. And by the way, real quick, uh, Ryan Campbell, I'm going right home after. If you want to meet me there, I don't know where you're at. Hope you heard that. Uh... You're welcome very much, and we'll see you all Monday. And uh, although if I came to this show, I'd probably just stay home on Monday night and remember this. Because we were nervous tonight, so we played well. Like by now, we're going to be cocky and we're going to suck. I can just feel it. I can just feel myself getting all cocky.